Welcome to Podflix, episode 149. I'm Paul. I'm Nish. <laughs> I'm Lily. You beat me, you fucker. Well done. Had to get in there. How's it going, guys? Happy quarantine. We're still here, man. We're still yep. here. Yep. Still yep. here. Stuck with nothing to do but watch various things on various streaming services, right? Or not. Or not. You know, whatever whatever <laughs> does it for you. That's right. But we did watch something. Uh, this week, we're, um, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about the Amazon... Uh, I was going to say original. I don't know if it counts as an original. Amazon they, they distributed it. They call it an Amazon original, but I agree. It's like they, they distributed it, right? They didn't like right. finance it or anything. Yeah. Right. The the Amazon purchased after the fact movie, The Vast of Night. Mm-hmm. Look, if there's anything Amazon is good, is good at, it's distributing shit, right? This is true. And mistreating employees. <laughs> 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 Oh boy! Um, but before, but before we talk about that, I want to talk about something else, which is, um, hey guys, are you guys ready for Michael Keaton to play Batman again? Wait, what? I mean, I'm always ready for Michael Keaton to play Batman. Word uh, is that he is in talks to play Batman in the production hell movie. Uh, the Flash, the Ezra Miller Flash movie, um, the guy who played the Flash in the Justice League movie, is getting has been getting a standalone Flash movie forever. Right. And this week, they it, the news broke that Michael Keaton might be back as Batman. Very weird. So, so he's like he is Batman, but he's supposed to be like the Ben Affleck Batman. Because well, I mean, Ben Affleck and I mean and Ezra Miller were like in like two movies together, right? He's in, I mean, he's kind of makes a cameo in Batman v Superman and he's in justice league. I mean, I, I would ask you to please respectfully use it in full title of Batman v Superman colon Dawn of justice. Ugh. <laughs> it hurts my colon. How else are you going to distinguish it from the other Batman v Superman movies? Um, yeah, that's right. No, the the current theory is that the movie like would have the Flash visiting alternate timelines. Ah, uh, okay. And so he's like, uh, uh, he's like his Batman, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which what's what's the? Uh, why can't I remember the name of it? Which which one is like the really famous Batman story where he's like old decrepit Batman? I just but, can't remember which one it's called. Isn't is that it, the is Dark it, Knight? Is, is that just the Dark Knight Returns? Is that what it is? No, no. Or is it just the Dark Knight? I forget which one. Yeah, I don't remember. It's, it's, it might it's, be Dark it's, Knight it's Returns. Comic books, this, yeah. This, yeah, this is one of the Frank Miller comic books. Very, very famous story. Yeah, I don't know because the, the theory is like this: the movie would be based off like the Flashpoint thing, where like Got it. basically the Flash screws up the timelines and has to fix it. That makes sense, and that oh. is a cool idea for a Flash movie, which is not what i would expect to be saying but it'll be interesting to see how they fuck it up i mean that's enough that's enough stunt casting to get me interested in the movie i'll say that much. yes i was just hearing the other day that um maybe this is a old very known story but i didn't know it that um during their fight scenes in spider-man homecoming michael keaton kept saying to tom holland i'm batman <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's true or not, but I I'm I, I, lo- I love the true. idea of it. 
I want to believe it. it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, I mean, everything everything old is new again. Um, so if we're gonna get Michael Keaton's Batman. Why not get another Bill and Ted movie on top of it too? Um, did you guys see the trailer for the new Face the Music Bill and Ted movie? Yes, totally, absolutely. I was hoping Nish was a bogus. <laughs> <laughs> and thoughts? What do you guys think? I'm fucking in, man. Like, I did not like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, for the record. Um, but at this point, like, yeah, man. Like, I love the movie. Here's the reframe. I watched Bill and Ted's with my kids, who are 10 and 8, last year. And they loved it. So coming back to it, how many years later? 25 years later? Like, yeah, more. My, more. My, my kids really want to see this movie. And I'm like, I'm, I'm totally into it too. That's kind of wild. I, would, I haven't seen any of the Bill and Ted movies in a very long time, but I would guess they didn't age well. Nope. The first one was still great. <laughs> okay look penny at 10 years old and nolan at eight they're learning about socrates right <laughs> and abraham lincoln and uh they they were like this is awesome excellent that's funny i i yeah i i can't muster up much enthusiasm for this movie i have to say um what do you think about um, Keanu now that Keanu's played a million different parts from there? He's been in The Matrix. He's been Neo. He's been John Wick. He's been other, like, is he believable as, in, wait, in, is he Bill or Ted? Yeah, in in the trailer, I didn't find him very believable. Um, it's not his fault. I, you know, like you said, like, it's like he's, you never would have thought when he was Ted that he was going to go on. Yes, Ted. <laughs> when he was Ted, that he was going to go on, like, you know, to actually, like, still be around and still be very, very, very relevant, you know, 30-something years later. Um, but here we are, and it, like, it, it feels almost like it is hard to still see him as Ted. Um, when when I heard him saying excellent, like, it kind of sounded, it, it sounded more like John Wick saying excellent, <laughs> kind of. Like, John Wick, like, pretending he was, like, like a dude. You know, it was like, I mean, you know, maybe Ted smoked a lot of cigarettes over the years. Fair enough. That That is possible. I mean, he's, he's a little weathered. He's a little older. Yeah. It's not yeah. excellent. It's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Bill's a lot older, too, but it's like we haven't had like, you know, 80 movies we've seen him in in between to like there's no frame of reference. He's still just Bill. You know, I don't know Alex Winter from anything else except Lost Boys. Right. He was in Lost Boys. I think. I think it was before Bill and Ted's. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But that's the only other movie I can think of him in is one of the vampires in uh, in Lost Boys. And speaking of Lost Boys, uh, Joel Schumacher uh, passed away very recently. He was the director of Lost Boys, but I always think of him first and foremost as the director of the two wretched Batman movies. Yeah, I was uh, Batman, say, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. And he, I mean, Joel Schumacher did a lot of stuff. There are a lot of movies that he is some, you know, either directed or produced or whatever and some of them are you know movies that we actually like but um yeah i it's funny i always forget that batman forever did really really well like it was very very successful which explains why they made batman and robin in the first place um i went to batman forever did i go with either of you guys 
I went entirely with entirely possibly. Yeah, because I definitely, I definitely know I went to this movie with uh, with our friend Dave, because um, I remember very clearly us making fun of the movie in the theater um, while it was going on. But I couldn't believe how bad it was while we were watching it. Oh, Joel Schumacher. But Which is I, the one with Arnold? That's Batman and Robin. Yeah, that was Batman yeah, and Robin. Man. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that one's a little underrated, to be honest with you. <laughs> Sorry, I what? mean, like... everyone thinks it's a piece of shit, so I guess it could be underrated. <laughs> I don't think it's quite a piece of shit, as long as you can understand. Maybe the movie's a piece of shit, but you should very honestly appreciate Arnold Schwarzenegger in this I movie. I kind of do appreciate Arnold. I mean, if there's one reason I would watch that movie, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and his horrible freeze puns throughout so, the movie. Nice to me, too. For, for what it's, to see you. For what it's worth, um, I saw Batman and Robin in the theater with our wow. friend Dave, who I am now convinced is a secret Batman fan. Exactly about that. <laughs> so doesn't matter how bad it is, Dave will see it. Yeah. I can't believe he went and saw Batman and Robin after how bad Batman Forever was. Yep. Um why are it's we like talking about this? Girl. Oh yeah, Joel Schumacher died. <laughs> Joel <Sorry>. Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell of a legacy, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the the movie this week we watched uh, the the Vast of Night. Um, this was a movie that um, was, I guess, rejected by a lot of film festivals and rejected by a lot of studios for distribution, but Amazon picked it up. And put it out, so we, uh, so we gave it a watch. Always a sucker for low budget sci fi. At least I am. Um, By the way, can I just interrupt for one minute? Like, I've seen some garbage movies that have been submitted to the film festivals, regardless of what the rating I slap on this in the end. I, I, I kind of can't figure out how this was not accepted because. It was not garbage, like, and it was really well filmed, and the script was tight. But and, like, it was, and, and it was a kind of movie that I, I think in a lot of ways that, like, a film festival would just eat up. And, yeah. 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 Uh, any hypotheses for you guys as to why film festivals would, would, would skip on this? My understanding of my – this is, like, eighth hand and mostly hearsay, So, but my understanding of film festivals is – like they are generally grossly not objective <laughs> and <laughs> like you, you know, you have to know someone or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's become very much an insider's game. Um, mm. That's become very hard for an actual outsider to break into. I, does that play in here? I don't know if it does or not, but that's the one piece of insight that I can give. Um, what year is this movie from last year? Uh, a year yeah yeah i think yeah yeah i think i think it was made last year and submitted last year but it's really only become available for people to watch this year i believe Mm. like it it just got came on amazon probably you know a month or two ago so it didn't hit theaters it basically was film festivals and then direct to video right yeah amazon picked it up for distribution and just decided to basically put it on prime and and you know put it out that way so, boys, before we get into the movie, I would like to peel back the curtain for a minute on the show and reveal to the people that um, this was also an episode that we had previously recorded and lost. Um, so we are re-recording this episode a week later. 
And knowing this was going to be my movie, I fully intended to watch it again because it's now been about two weeks since I've seen it. However, um, last night um, I was going to watch the movie and we were settling in to watch, to eat dinner. And um, my wife says, oh, there's some, there's some water on the floor uh, outside our bathroom. I said, yeah, the dog spilled her water bowl. She did it before and I cleaned it up. And she's like, no, there's like a lot of water. And I was like, all right. And we like, we cleaned it up. And it's just like, I can't tell where this came from. Like nothing, nothing seems to be, nothing seems to be wet. Um, and um, on a hunch, I was just like, yeah, let me flip up the toilet seat and take a look. And sure enough, um, it was full to the brim. And it turned out that all the water in the house was draining out through that toilet and then onto the floor. Oh my goodness. Wow. plumbing incident a plumbing incident and the side effect of that was wait paul is this the bathroom i helped you reno no this is this is our brand new bathroom that just got finished a few weeks ago um the side effect of that was something that i learned which is wastewater pipes aren't designed for pressure they're not designed to take water under pressure so if you fill them up and then put them under pressure they leak and where do they leak? Mm-hmm. They leak into our basement. <laughs> so my wife went downstairs to see what the story was, and she just yelled, it's raining in the basement. Um, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. So I spent last night um, calling an emergency plumber and having them come uh, and I'm repair sure the issue. I'm sure that was super cheap, right? Emergency plumbers are... Well, so here's what's funny about that. <laughs> a dime a dozen. It, <laughs> totally. Find them anywhere. Yeah. It turns out it was free. And it was free because this exact thing happened um, the week before we moved back into the house. We were having work done in the house, so we weren't living here. And the week before we moved back, this exact thing happened, and our contractor took care of it. And now four weeks later, it's happened again. Jeez. So we're, um, it, it's, the details are not very interesting as to why, but some plumbing was done incorrectly. It needs to be fixed. And um, I now have a four-week timer before the bathroom downstairs starts flooding again. Oh, uh, but, but long story long, I did not get to watch this movie again. And wait, wait, a follow-up questions here. Yeah, sure. Does that timer extend based on number one or number two? Um, no, because there's a five-year-old in this house who uses roughly six miles of toilet paper every time she goes to the bathroom. <laughs> mm. <laughs> So it's it's, per, it's a per flush. It's a per 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 capita per flush. I I, I it's just a numbers game, right? Like it's just gonna you know, it's it's just the you know sooner yeah. or later, <laughs> sooner or later it's gonna happen. And and the reason this happened last night was because my daughter had had a bath and we drained an entire bathtub worth of water, oh, which filled right, up all right the pipes, out the toilet, right out the toilet. Yep. Best wishes to you on that. <sighs> yeah. Thanks. This that blows. It certainly does. Um, so instead of watching this movie again, I was mopping up um, water in the bathroom and the hallway and in the kitchen last night. Eh, we'll we'll see if I was better off or not. Um, so <laughs> I will do my best to explain. Speaking this. of blows. <laughs> yep, I will do this, my best to explain this movie to people. Uh, one last thing before we get into it. Um, I hate the fact that Amazon shows ads before you watch something. Um, especially when they show ads like for their previews for their other properties. Um, you can't skip them, no? Not that I'm aware of, no. 
I didn't get an ad. I don't know why. It just went straight to the movie for me. I think I'm, I got an I'm ad. Fairly sure. Forwarded it. I think you can just hit the wait. Uh, Apple TV, Paul. Yeah. Remember Fire Stick. You can just fast forward through that shit. All right. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> actually, b- before you actually get into the like the crux of what the movie is, I do want to ask. Um, one in how many viewings did you guys watch this movie in, and two, um, how many different mediums? Because um, it's an hour and a half movie, and I was expecting it to whiz by. For me, it did not. So I started watching it on my Apple TV in my family room, and it was too bright. The movie's pretty dark. Uh, and then I watched it on my Fire Stick, and then I watched it on my iPhone, and then back to the Fire Stick, and eventually finished it up on the Apple TV. So I'm curious the medium you watched it, and um, I'll give a warning to any of our listeners. It's a dark movie, not in mood. It's just film dark. You 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 can't yeah. watch this in broad daylight, right? So so question is like, how long did it take you all to watch it, and what format did you watch it in? So I watched it. Um, I watched it all in one go. Um, I wasn't expecting to because a lot of times I start this kind of late at night, and then you know it's the only time I can watch when my kids are asleep. Um, and I just didn't think even an hour and a half, I kind of thought like, yeah, probably I'll have to do 45 minutes one night, 45 minutes another night or something like that. But I ended up watching, up watching the whole thing in one go. Um, and I watched it all on one device, all on my TV downstairs. Um, and it was dark. It was the, whole, the whole yeah. room was dark. Yeah. So that was good. I, I would add, I totally agree with you that it is a darkly filmed movie. And so you, you want to watch it at night where, or where there are not a lot of other light sources. Um, and the other thing I would say with that is that um, the film really is trying to set a not scary, but eerie mood, as we'll get into. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped, you know, if you watch it sort of, you know, in in the dark, like it, you wouldn't, this isn't the kind of movie you want to watch, like, well, no one's on the subway nowadays. But if you were, this isn't the kind of movie that you want to watch on the subway, like, you know, just like on your phone, like it, it, it well, doesn't work I mean, well that way. This is why I stopped the first time is I live on the 28th floor with 10 foot floor to ceiling windows and i'm like i can't fucking see shit yeah. watching this movie like i'll get this later so i i just stopped what about yeah. you paul um yeah like like this i started this movie after the kids bedtime uh so i started this at like 10 30 at night uh watched it like on the apple tv um and um so it was dark and um i didn't know if i was gonna be able to stay awake for the whole movie um or if I'd have to split up the sessions, but I have to say like the movie did actually suck me in enough that like, I was like, no, oh, yeah. Like I, 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 I kind of went from like um, reclining on the couch when I started watching it. And I kind of realized like by the end, I was like, oh, I was like sitting up and watching it, um, which is a good sign. So um, yeah. So I, I got through it all in one go. It, it like the pace of the movie is relatively slow um which you can get away with when it's only 90 minutes um but i never felt like i never really felt like i was bored even with the slow pace and Hmm. i think i don't know if this is like me getting older or whatever but like um i've become more comfortable with things that are slower paced like i don't need things that are like constant like action or other things going on like that um so it didn't it didn't bother me like it, it, it held my interest I thought, I mean, you know, we, we, we may differ on this, but I thought that the slow pace worked to the movie's 
advantage at points. Um, I know we haven't started talking about the movie at all, really about the plot yet, but um, the opening 20 minutes or so of the movie are probably, in my opinion, the slowest paced part of the movie in a lot of ways. Um, but I felt like it held my attention pretty well just because, you know, all I knew about the movie is like, well, it's a sci-fi movie and it's like, you know, it got pretty good reviews and, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, so- something happens. So I was kind of the whole time, like, even though those, that part was slow, it was filmed in such a way that you could kind of see something happening and I was waiting for something to happen. I felt like it was almost generating its own tension from me just being like, come on, like, like what's going to happen now? And you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of get yeah, to yeah. what actually happens. I, I would love to comment on the first 20 minutes, but why don't I let Paul yeah, like, break it, break it, set yeah, the break, the break down the opening. Sure. So, um, so this movie opens with a like an old an older style um te- like black and white television um of, of which a broadcast appears and they basically do um probably the most blatant twilight zone ripoff i've ever seen oh yeah um, <laughs> to the point where like i was like is this going to be twilight zone or like it didn't quite sound right but like the voice actor that got like sounded like rod serling and like in pitch and tone and everything like to a t it was uncanny um and this is a framing device that they'll go back to a few times throughout the movie um i don't entirely understand why um but agreed I, yeah but they like like it would have been enough to do it at the beginning and kind of not jump back to it throughout the movie like it felt almost a little bit like I don't know, like we're going to like shift the tone's going to change, but didn't change that much. Or like, I don't know if it's trying to ramp up the tension or ramp it down or I, I, yeah, I don't know. I thought, I I thought in a way, at at least at the beginning, when when it came in the beginning, I thought it's like, oh, they're trying to get you into this frame of mind. Like they're, they're getting into this idea that it's like, like, think of like, think of the next 90 minutes as like a live act, like a real version, real acted, like, twilight like extra long twilight zone episode or something like that but then like you said they they went back to it every once in a while and that makes less sense to me i I think it was actually like a heavy-handed like hey dummies this is (laughs) sci-fi like like really overly heavy-handed which which was unnecessary yeah could be yeah Yeah. could be yeah Um, anyway and then and then we cut to a um a town in new mexico and it is sometime in the late 50s correct yes um, yeah they, they and, never say exactly when it is but there's some signifiers that yeah late 50s is what it sounds like they talk about sputnik they talk about right. some things that have happened right sputnik's a big frame. one sputnik was 1957 so you figure it's after that right um so we are um we are following our main character who i uh, in my notes call radio guy because um, he works he's a dj at a radio station um, if i remember correctly rate- i think i think his actual name is everett yeah, but Radio yes. Guy's better. <laughs> That's fair. I, I'm fine with calling him Radio Guy. So Radio Guy is heading into a high school where a basketball game is about to start. And there's a lot of people there. And he has been called there due to technical problems. And he, we kind of have a long, unbroken shot of him doing things. Uh, he's, like, talking to people. Like, he, he steals the trombone from the guy in the marching band for some reason. Um, and he's kind of, he's like a popular guy. He like, he's chatty and he kind of knows everyone. And we're, we're doing a very like Robert Altman esque, like in and out of picking up bits of various conversations as we right. kind of follow him around this gymnasium, um, as people are like filing into for this basketball game. And he ends up, turns up that like 
they called the wrong guy that they, they wanted like some other Everett or some other guy or whatever. And he's like, fine, I'm out of here. Um, and he goes to leave. And as he's leaving a high school girl that he knows um, comes up to him and explains that she sent away for a tape recorder and it came in and he wants, she wants to be shown how to use it. And, um, and her name is Faye. We, for reasons that we'll get into, can probably just call her switchboard girl. Yeah. And, um, so, so right. So radio guy in my notes, she's called phone girl. So radio guy, phone, and phone girl, girl there are, we go. It's fine. Uh, are going through the parking lot and he's teaching her, um, in a, like he's, he's actually like encouraging in, in, in a weird kind of douchey way, but also like legitimately like, isn't trying to brush her off either. Um, but, but he is very much mansplaining things to her. Yes, absolutely. Yes, he very much is doing that, for sure. Um, and he's trying to get her to, like, talk into the mic and interview people in the parking lot. And this is a time when, like, a portable tape recorder is a, a rare thing. So people are, like, just excited to see a tape recorder. And they're like, what is that microphone? And he's like, it's called the tape recorder. <laughs> right, exactly. And and so he's he's showing slash bullying her on how to use it um and she has to go to work so he's going to walk walk her um, to work and we then come to another very very long unbroken shot of them walking from the gymnasium to like the downtown area where she works as a switchboard operator hence phone girl um and um i wanted to talk about this shot in particular it's lit very strange like there's these bluish white lights these yeah. street lamps and they're directly over the middle of the street so that and they are walking down the middle of the street so they're walking directly under them and it's a scene with a lot of i felt like it was a scene that had a lot of tension and i don't yeah know for sure if it was supposed to or not i don't know what did you right. guys think of this no no this is this is the scene that i'm really talking about where i said there was like a lot of tension being generated i thought I don't know. I I thought I'd like to think that at least some of this tension was purposeful. And and the two reasons that I would say so are um, they are walking alone at night in the middle of the street. It's it's like there's no one else around. Um, They're walking through like empty neighborhoods. And at one point, they're just walking through like a road that seems to go by like maybe it's like the football field or some kind of big field. It's like it, it feels like you, you know, are conditioned in general. I mean, there's no like spooky music or anything like that, but it still feels like the kind of thing where it's like they could be attacked or like aliens could come or like, you know, depending on what genre we're talking about, you know, like something could happen here. Um, And then the other reason I would say is that they are shot from behind and like a little below as well. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a low angle shot. Um, And, and something about that felt very much like, like there's almost like it almost reminded me of like a shot of like something stalking but like we are almost like stalking them like from behind like it's almost like a pov shot um as it turned out neither of those things are true <laughs> there's absolutely nothing that happens in this in the scene beyond like a, a fair amount of uh character you know work you know just just kind of finding out who these two people are a little bit in their relationship but nonetheless um <clears throat> i like that you mentioned the the lights though because that was one thing that struck me on this um, shot was like the opening gym scene, which takes a long time. And then out, out, out in the parking lot and all that, that's like a 10 minutes, you know, all by itself. And I felt like the lighting there, like when there is lighting is like fairly warm. And then 
all of a sudden when they're walking home, it's like this very cold blue white, like fluorescent look, which I don't even know a hundred percent of that existed back in, uh, you know, 1957 in like rural New Mexico or, you know, what kind of lights they had there. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not period accurate. It just, it put me much more in mind. The scene like reminded me a lot more of like, like all the scenes where the kids are walking in the street and like the first season of stranger things, um, which like, you know, is, which also might be why I was like ready for something to jump out and scare them or something horrible to happen the whole time. Well, there's a couple things I want to add here. Um, We'll probably get to this at a later point, but, um, and this is, was the confusing thing. Why film festivals didn't pick this up is like, actually thought the cinematography in this movie was great. And I believe this is one of the few miscues in cinematography because there's a lot of show off shots and we'll, we'll certainly talk about it later. Like the transitions between scenes and, uh, how we got from one location to another. Yep. Uh, the other thing this movie relies on heavily, I remember it being one of my original notes is like, holy shit, this movie's an hour and a half. And there is three monologues in these movies that eat up like a solid 18 minutes of this movie. And, and this is one of those scenes where they're walking, but I, I can't remember which character, but one of them is like talking the entire yeah, time. It's, it's, it's mostly the phone girl. She's telling these stories that she heard uh, uh, or, or that she read in a, in a magazine, like a popular science kind of magazine or something like that about like, you know, stories of what things will be like in the future. And she's, and she's telling yeah. them to him and, and kind of practicing it on the tape recorder while she does it. So the thing I'll note is like overall, I'm going to skip, I'm going to spoiler alert a little bit in that I, I actually really like this movie, but to me, actually, the first 20 minutes of an, a 90 minute movie were kind of a dud for me in that like nothing really happened. It felt like 20 minutes of essentially gumshoe. Like it was a lot of talking back and forth. That's the time where you could really establish some characters. And I didn't feel like there was a lot of your What's that face for, Paul? Yeah. Uh, did, did you mean shoe leather? Yes. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> you mean shoe leather. <laughs> did, I, did I say gumshoe? Yeah. He's a he's a big Carmen San Diego fan. <laughs> That's right. He's just thinking uh, of the chief chief saying gumshoes. <laughs> There's a fair amount of shoe leather in that in the first like 20 minutes of this movie. And like I don't know, like there's a, a lot of instances where they could have developed the characters like instantly and got you drawn in pretty quickly. And not a lot happens in this first 20 minutes. And, and on top of that, it's, it feels a little show offy with cinematography. I think ultimately like the movie finds its pace and things happen. But in the first 20 minutes, I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, it's, I kind of, I kind of know what you mean. So sorry, Paul. I, I, I was just gonna say, like, I, I, I know what you mean. Um, I, I would have been interested if you had been able to watch the movie again, Paul, to know how some of this stuff played a second time. Because I liked these first twenty minutes. I found them, I found it fairly charming. Because I think, as we'll get to, I, I, I think the two um, actors who play the two leads are very uh, charismatic and have, have a really good chemistry together. Um, but. I do wonder if I watch this again, if I would just be bored stiff knowing that nothing happens and, and knowing that there's nothing here like germane really to the plot. Yeah. That's, I, I it's, 
Yeah. I'm, well, maybe maybe one day when my plumbing doesn't explode, maybe I'll watch this again. Um, yeah, right. um, it's funny that you mentioned that, Willie, because I kind of had the opposite reaction, which is for me, um, the, I feel like the movie gets progressively worse as it goes on. <laughs> um, and I felt like these scenes were very good at establishing the mood. Um, this particular scene that we're talking about right now, okay, that went on a little bit too long. And um, there are about five showy offy shots in this movie, which is probably too, too many, uh, especially for a 90 minute movie. Um, so I, so I, I do agree with you there that I think they're like, a, a, you know, too clever by a half kind of a thing. Um, not that, not that any one of them is particularly bad. It's just, there's kind of too many of them. Um, it's kind of what I think, but, um, we're about, we're, we're about to get to one of those show offy shots, which doubles in my opinion is maybe the, my, my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, um, so they, so he, so, so radio guy gets phone girl to her office and, and he, she relieves the previous person working the switchboard. And while that's happening, we have our second, you know, old timey TV, um, um, Twilight Zone kind of thing. It, go, it goes back to like the old um, four by three framing device, black and white, like static kind of thing um, for a few moments, um, which again, for reasons we don't, entirely follow and then we come out of that and she is taken over the switchboard and um we have what i think is the best scene in the movie which is she she then has a nine and a half minute unbroken shot where she is um running the switchboard which is a great prop and a great piece of kit as they say like i love the plugs and the switches and like and she's working it like she knows exactly what she's doing. Like she clearly practiced a lot and, and it's really cool. Um, but she's working the switchboard, answering phone calls. She's got, she, she dials into radio guys show and there's like a weird sound that comes through and, and the show gets interrupted. And um, then she starts getting weird calls and she's calling people and you can hear both sides of the conversation, but this is a long unbroken shot of her. Um, and, and, she's you know patching stuff around she's calling radio guy to find out what happened he doesn't know and she's patching in the sound to him and all this stuff and she's also calling people that she knows that are home around the town like you get the sense that kind of everyone in town is at this basketball game um, but it's she's my favorite scene in the movie by the way yeah yeah it sounds like sounds like for all three I mean, of us i think it's it's our favorite uh scene. and for me like there's probably a personal connection like my my grammy my my, my grandma she was an operator when my dad was a kid. My dad has all these like fucking amazing stories of um, when something would happen. Like, you know, this is the fifties in New Jersey. And like, so mom would go to work, dad would go to work and they would leave there. Like imagine leaving your eight year old kid at home. Like I'll see you at five o'clock, you know? Uh, and when they needed something, in order to get a hold of mom, my dad would just dial zero, you know? <laughs> and at times they'd be like, mom? And the operator would be like, no, this isn't Betty. Call back. They'd hang <laughs> up. They'd, but they'd do that thing that this radio operator would do, which was like, if you wanted to talk to somebody across town, they would have to like essentially plug you in from, okay, the Williams want to talk to the Menons or whatever. 
and they would just like connect the cable manually from one call to another. And I've heard so many stories about this. I loved watching kind of the real world in action moments of, of somebody operating that, that, that patch panel in, in real time. I, yeah. I, I thought it was both like super cool and like super charming at the same I thought time. It was, yeah. I thought it was very cool. The other, the other thing I really like about this um, scene is, um, you know, something weird is obviously going on. There is this, um, this is, this is really where the plot kicks in. It kicks in fairly slowly. Cause as we said, this is a movie that moves very deliberately, but um, you know, we, the, he, she hears the weird sound over the radio. And then, like you said, Paul, they start getting some weird calls and I liked the idea of exploring something weird happening like this, but it's like completely from this limited perspective of just like, well, here's what the switchboard operator like heard, like at that point, like you don't, we don't, we don't find out like any of these other people, there's clearly some weird stuff going on from the little snippets of information she gets, but we don't like ever go over to any of those people or anything like that. Like the story mm -hmm. really stays through the whole movie with, you know, phone girl and radio guy and that's it and like yeah. everything we know we know through their eyes basically and i really liked that idea right so she's so they're getting she's getting calls about weird lights in the sky um mm -hmm. and i i guess i don't think she's patching them anywhere i think people are just calling to tell her basically and it's just like you should tell someone kind of a yeah thing. and then and then she tries to call the police uh, or she calls the police station and the I guess the dispatcher or whoever it is that's there game. basically says that it's like yeah all the policemen are out right now and some of them are out because for these other calls basically right and she calls some people in town that she knows including like uh, the the person who's babysitting her little sister mm -hmm. um, and I, I have to be honest like I have trouble following what's going on because they don't really establish who these people are or kind of what's going on. So they're just going to call. Yeah. So like, you know, Betty, can you do this for me or whatever? Oh, get Jane. Okay. I'll talk to Jane. And it's just like, ah, okay. This seems very realistic, but I also don't know what's going on right now. Um, but she eventually patches the sound through the radio guy who, who then plays the sound over the radio to, and basically asks the listening audience, if anybody knows anything about this, please call in. And, um, and they put this out and as they're playing the sound, we get um, another very showy shot of what appears to be a long unbroken steady cam shot of the camera leaving the switchboard, going through the town, um, goes to the high school, um, tracks around the gym a few times while the game is going on again, all unbroken, goes up through the stands, out the window, back through the back of the gym and heads over to the small radio station booth where a radio guy is working. Um, super impressive. It, like, it looks like a steady cam shot that was sped up quite a bit. Um, like, you know, super impressive, looks great. Um, but, you know, this is like our third very showy camera move in the first, you know, 35 minutes of the movie or so. Um, right. I also feel like, like they, they do this speed up um, like you said, like, like it probably travels like close to half a mile from the switchboard office to the, um, gymnasium, excuse me, to the gymnasium. And like, in order to get there, you know, at a reasonable time, it kind of speeds it up. And that is a very weird, um, it, it doesn't quite fit. I would say that the mood of the, the, um, uh, movie to that point. 
like that that speed up shot like like felt a little weird too like it was cool like you said but it was a little bit like what is this like it put me in mind it's not this fast but it put me in mind of like the like the evil dead like pov shots where they're like going you know crazy and really fast which obviously this wasn't that fast but it did make me wonder it's like oh my god like what what is this is this like are we gonna zoom over to like some horrible thing going on or something like that and it's like oh no we're just going to the gym and it's like and then going to the radio station it was like well why were we all sped up and i realized we were sped up so that this scene wouldn't take like it wouldn't be like a five minute shot but you know it was yeah. weird I and thought. you might think that you might think they're establishing the geography of the town for a reason but None that I can ascertain. No. Like, yeah, um, I liked them establishing the geography, but like you said, it doesn't come into play or anything. Yeah, and this and this shot also has a weird moment where <laughs> first of a few times in this movie where I couldn't tell if the sounds I was hearing were part of the soundtrack or were happening in the movie. Yeah, um, there's like this very weird drumming that starts, and is it like people cheering in the basketball arena? or music being played in the basketball arena because it gets louder as we get closer to the gym? Um, or is it just part of the soundtrack? And like this happens a few times in this movie, um, which is not something that usually happens. And I thought it was, I thought it was odd. Um, so we get back to, uh, so we, we eventually get to Radio Guy who, who plays the sound and um, they get a caller who knows something about this and they, um, um, Phone girl. This is the second very longest monologue in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. This this phone conversation is is pretty long, and yeah, he gets patched through to the radio station, and they end up talking to this guy who calls himself Billy, who talks about working these weird black ops um, like missions where he doesn't know what's going on. Like he'd get pulled out of um, like the barracks during the war, and like put on a plane somewhere, and they'd get told to do something weird, like dig a big trench or something or dig a big hole or whatever. Um, and then they would do it and then get put back on a plane and get sent back where they came from. And they'd kind of never see each other again. Um, right. And, and he said, and he said basically every time he had one of these weird black ops missions at some point, like towards the end, like he heard this sound, like a sound that sounded very similar to the sound that they played on the radio. Um, the sound that she heard that interrupted the broadcast. Yeah. And, and, after the war was over, some of these guys kind of found each other somehow that were that had done this, and one guy became very obsessed with the sound and and eventually was able to record it and sent out tapes to all the people in this group and they said, "Oh, do you have the tape or whatever?" And he's like, "No, I listened to it, and then I destroyed it because you know for whatever reason, like I didn't feel safe having it um, and they're all kind of bummed, but it turns out, oh, what an amazing coincidence, one of these people lives in the town." <laughs> um, which is very convenient when your budget's not very big. Um, That's right, and, and your whole movie needs to take place over the course of about three hours. Uh, yes. Even more it, convenient, this person has died recently, which you would and, think would be inconvenient. But his well, tapes are him, in the library. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say even more <laughs> convenient. Yeah. All his tapes have been brought to the library, but not cataloged yet or or looked through. And even more convenient, Radio Girl can get into the library somehow for reasons we don't really get explained to us um so she de she decides she's going to get into the library and, and look through these tapes and off she goes um not for the first not for the last time just like a complete dereliction of duty just like well these people <laughs> hope nobody wants to make a phone call for the next 20 minutes because i'm out of here right. um and she runs on foot she runs back home grabs a key runs to the library 
and grabs the tapes. And as she's leaving the library, radio guy um, pulls up with a car and says, like, get in. We're going back to the radio station because he has also decided to leave his post behind. And they drive back to the radio station and begin going through, I don't know, a dozen or so reel-to-reel tapes to see if any of them contain the sound. And we have another very long, unbroken shot uh, that's slowly pushing in of the two of them around this tape machine and radio guys loading up a tape and they listen to a few seconds and he pops it off and pops on the next one and they're having a conversation basically about what they want to do with their lives while this is happening. And radio guy reveals that he wants out. He wants a better radio job somewhere. And that's kind of why he's doing all this. It's, it's, it might get him in trouble, but he believes it's good radio and it will get him a better job. Um, somewhere outside of this, you know, dead end town, as it were, and and she kind of. I like the scene, by the way. Like, I like the fact that, um, in general, when you see these movies, they find the answer in the first tape or two, and this was like, it was a long scene to get to the answer they were looking for, and there was a lot of back and forth, and and this is actually where the character development happened for me, like. You could have done it in the beginning in that first 20 minutes, and I feel like nothing really happened in the first 20 minutes, but the character development really happened in in the advancement of the plot in this moment. Yeah, well, this scene, I mean, this little conversation, and it's, it's not a hugely long conversation, but it really does, it gets a little bit across about, like, who these people, like, I think the early scenes get across, like, how are they with each other? Like, what is their relationship to each other? Like, you know, they're, you know, you get this sort of big brother, little brother vibe of or big brother, little sister, sorry, uh, vibe. But like, this one is a little more of like, well, who are like, what do they want? Kind of what do these two people want out of life? You know, like, like you said, like kind of what they want to do with their lives. And I do feel like to the extent that I thought of this movie after watching it, that this scene like became somewhat poignant in light of, you know, basically what happens eventually. Uh, with them, you know, them talking about like, I want to get out of this town and like do, you know, be like a big radio person or like, I want to go to college, but I don't have the money and like talking about, you know, all these things. So yeah, I, I like the scene too, Willie. Yeah. It, the scene, I, I mostly like it. It did start to lose me after a while because I, I tuned them it went out for a, a while. little bit. <laughs> yeah. they, they go through a lot of tapes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, that's what made me tune out a little bit is like, yeah. after a while I was just like, oh man, like I, I get it that you don't want to find it on the first tape, but like you could find it on the sixth. Like we don't need to go all the way to like, you know, the ninth or 12th or whatever it yeah. is. Before I did start it. to wonder if they were actually not going to find it. Like if it was actually going to be like, oh, it's not there. Like they, they can't find this tape. Like whether whether or not that's a plot point, like, oh, the tape mysteriously disappeared or whether it was just like, oh no, like they're just going to like have it that you just don't find it. But then they did. So, yeah. So they, so they do find the tape and um, I believe here's where radio guy's going to play it again. Yes. And he sends phone girl back to the switchboard um, in case somebody else calls in. And he, um, I think actually he, maybe I'm wrong. I, th- I, th- I think they're both together. He plays it. He plays it for a couple of seconds, and then like the lights completely go out. Like like basically the power goes out in oh, the entire right. radio station. It's it's yeah it's it's somewhat spooky. You don't really know if it has anything, but you know the 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 idea there is it's a little bit like oh did did playing these weird sound make the make the power go out or something like that. Every other place seems to have power when they go outside. Like like no no other place has lost power. Just the radio station. 
Right. And that, that conveniently frees up Radio Guy to no longer be stuck at the radio station anymore. Yes. Yes. And then and then we're back at the, the switchboard um, and um, Radio Guy and Phone Girl meet up with another couple that saw something weird. And it was kind of unclear to me whether they knew each other or were just meeting each other. But it sounds like they didn't know each other. Yeah, I got, this- I, I, I got the sense they were just some random couple who had been like driving the the roads of New Mexico and like had seen something weird and ended up in this town kind of chasing it. Yeah. But they, but they also make a plan that like, all right, we're going to go check something out and you guys do whatever. And like, we'll meet up later. And it's just like, you don't know these people. Like that's weird. Okay. But whatever. That's the way it worked back then, man. I'll meet you at the phone booth at five thirty. I guess so. People showed up back fucking then. Um, so while the other couple is off having an adventure that I guess we'll see in the spinoff movie, um, our main character <laughs> is, um, our main character is back at the switchboard and they get a uh, they get a phone call um, from a woman who lives in town who is basically like, I have something to say about what's going on, uh, but you have to come to my house. And I'm a creepy old lady, which means I'm not going to come to the door. Um, I'll tell you where the key is hidden, but you can come, like, come in and like I'll tell my story. And um, like an idiot, they're like, yep, that, that seems fine. Like we will definitely drive to your house and just walk into your walk in. Uh, but they do, and they go in, and this older woman is sitting in her chair, and she is chanting something as they walk in, um, and she doesn't really explain in, in, it. Yeah, and it's and it's not in any language you've ever heard. It's, it's like it's it's not English, and it's certainly not any other language either. Yeah, and they and they come in, and they basically talk to this woman, and she reveals that um, she had an encounter with the sound you know, a long time ago when she was young and then later got pregnant and gave birth out of wedlock to, um, to a son who um, then began um, chanting this thing that she had been chanting when they walked in um, kind of at, at weird times or whatever, and uh, would kind of like zone out and do it. And that was. Can I repoint you for one minute? Yeah. In that we learned this literally a six minute monologue oh yeah it's a this, it's a this, it's, is, this, this, is, this is, is a long gradual we figure this out like yeah it is it is girl talks for six minutes it is kind of funny that um she starts by like like he he starts by being like you know there's a lot going on like like we may not have a lot of time to talk to you like like we, we may have to head out and she's like i understand i'll try to be quick and then it's like let me tell you about my life and it's like it goes i mean everything she says has some like meaning in the story but like it does go on for quite a while well in her defense it is an incredibly dense six minutes of talking like yes she she does get across a lot of information yeah i'll say this much this is this is actually and i think nish and i disagree on this but this is this is the point of the movie where i check out i have a tough time listening to anybody maybe it's present political climate maybe it's just where i'm at in life i can't hold my attention to one one person speaking at me for six minutes, 10 minutes, like at a time. And, and like multiple times during this monologue, I'm like, Oh, there's probably important shit in there. I can't pay attention this long. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's fair. I I think I'm the only one of us who like kind of liked the scene, but I, I very much get your criticism, Willie, and we'll we'll get to yours in a second, Paul. I, I feel like the way that I felt about it was I, I found the substance of her story interesting um it, it 
kind of I, I don't know how much sense it makes or anything like that but it, but I, that's kind of why i found it interesting it was like it was one of those like spooky kind of stories that like that you just hear related to like ghosts or aliens or that kind of thing um and like it had a couple like weird details that i hadn't really heard in these types of stories anymore but it reminded me of um i don't remember who had it but like when i was um in sixth grade i think and i and i and i take the bus to school and all that kind of thing. This is when, this is when Willie and I met um, in sixth grade, but uh, there was somebody on the bus who had like those mysteries of the unknown, like time life books, like, you know, the read the book, like those books. Um, Dave. Yeah, it might've been, I don't remember, but I remember looking at them on the bus and like, they'd have some of these stories, right? Like the ones about aliens, especially they had this whole, like two or three stories about like the men in black, not the Will Smith, like, Tommy Lee Jones men in black, but like the phenomenon of these like weird people who would like come and talk to you after you like saw aliens and like sometimes like the way they talked would indicate that they were aliens themselves. Like it's like they always looked very weird and strange. I remember clearly this is like 35 years later. I remember so clearly like one detail of that story, this men in black story where it's like at the end, the person like cryptically said to the per like like the men in black guy cryptically said to the woman who had like seen in like a ufo or something like he said like i must leave now energy running low and like left and it was like that kind of thing like that kind of detail is like just a wonderfully creepy detail to me where it's like oh like that stayed with me like forever since since reading that and her story which is basically like the crux of it is that there is these this weird sound and this chanting um that she heard when she was a kid the same chanting that she you know that you hear when they first get in there and then she heard her infant son make the same chant. Like the first words he ever spoke were this same weird chant. And then he would say it every once in a while as he was growing up. Um, and that seemed very creepy to me. I liked that detail. Um, I it, thought that was very cool. It was creepy, um, but it felt like a, it felt like an explanation from a different movie. Yeah, like, I, I do get that. I definitely get that. Because it had it had basically like she she hears the sound and then but she's not pregnant when she hears it. Like she, like they make no, it no, very she's, clear. She's, she's like a young girl when she first hears it. Is is what it sounds like. Yeah. Right. So so if you like, it, it, I don't know. It just felt like it had nothing to do with what was going on that night, um, and it had it had like no real hook into the story. It was just like I'm going to give you like this info dump, and it's kind of like it's like, whoa, like this this totally comes out of left field. It seems to have nothing to do with what's currently going on. And, um, it just, yeah, it just felt like it, it just, I don't know. It felt like somebody wrote a monologue and then like used it later. Like, Oh, if we just say she heard the sound when she was younger, we can use this monologue in this movie kind of a thing. Um, and th that's what kind of made it lose it for me. It was just like, wait, this, this, I don't feel like I'm watching. This feels incongruent in incongruous with, with what we've seen so far. Um, so, but she, she basically explains that her yeah, that her infant and then young son would do this once in a while, and then at one point, um, he kind of I guess I don't know if they heard the sound again or, but he just kind of like spaces out at one point, and she says the the chant to him to like, and that like snaps him out of it, and then sometime after that, he basically gets up when he's like nine or ten, gets up, yeah. walks out of the house. 
and disappears and like literally disappears because she follows his tracks like she makes a point of explaining that she can do this because it's empty and it's dry or whatever and he she can see the footprints and they just kind of stop at the end of the walkway and right. never as sees if, him again as if he was just snatched out of thin air basically Right, and she never sees him again and then does the whole, like, lives the rest of her life as kind of a pariah where I guess people think, like, she's, like, the creepy old lady who either, like, kills her kid or who knows what. Um, right, because no one believes her story, obviously. Uh, right. Whoever, whoever, whoever she did tell that story to, which she said she didn't really tell too many people because she's, you know, smart enough to know that most people wouldn't have believed it. But, right, exa- exactly. But then she, but, you know, so she gets all this out and wants to give them they're like okay you're kind of crazy we're gonna leave and she wants to give them a the paper that she was writing on when they first came in and they're just like no we don't want that which i guess had the chant on it i'm not really sure um yeah that's she 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 said that she had written it out and and uh so that they could like do it basically right they're like yeah we don't we don't we're not down for that thank you crazy lady and yeah. they they leave and they meet up with the other random couple. Um, having finished their adventure, they kind of all meet up again. And they say, oh, we'll give you a ride or whatever. And, and they're riding through and they're talking about what just happened. Um, right, because, and- because the other couple is like, so like, remember, they had made that plan. So they were like, oh, so you talked to this old lady. Like, did she know anything? Like, what, 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 what happened? Yeah, and they're like, oh, we, there's something about weird changing or whatever. Oh, I think I have it on tape. And he goes back and finds it on the tape and plays it. And when he plays it, they, the, the, the new couple um, completely space out while they're playing it. Yeah. Very, very similar to the way she said the old woman said that her young son used to space out or like spaced out the one time that she chant, like did the chant. Right. And so the cars, you know, going all over the place because the driver's now not paying attention and they're freaking out trying to stop the tape or whatever. I, I don't know why our main characters aren't affected, but, for plot reasons they're not and they stop the tape and the, the, the other couple's kind of like oh what happened and our character's like we're out of here um they hop out of the car and kind of run into the woods and they run and they find a clearing and they kind of start oh the one the, the one important plot point that i missed is at oh, some point yeah. in this we missed this um, last time. time too. <laughs> I know. Phone girl went realized somehow. I don't really know how that. I, I, I think what happened was that way back in the switchboard scene, she had been on the phone with her baby with the babysitter who was babysitting her daughter, and they got cut off. Sister and so she called too. like the baby. She called like the neighboring person and said, "Like, can you go check? Like, I was talking to her, and she got cut off. Can you just check on her to see if everything's okay?" But then she never got a call back because she left and she went to the radio guy and they were all over the place. She was like never back at the switchboard. And I think all of a sudden she remembers and she was like, oh, holy shit. Like, like the babysitter and my and my sister, like, I have no idea if they're okay or not. And so, like, I I think that's why she runs over there all of a sudden. Yeah. And she finds her her your young sister in her crib, like kind of crying. And she grabs her this like extremely old looking toddler. Um, So they they've got. So she's got her sister with her now for the rest of the movie. Um, and so the three of them, you know, run into the woods um, after they hop out of this car and they find, they kind of run, they need to stop, they're out of breath. And looking around, they realize the trees are burned and they have char on them. And they look up and there's an oval that's been burned through the trees leading right to where they are. Um, it looks like something from the sky kind of, 
I don't know, you know, cut a hole through the woods, as it were. Uh, that freaks them the hell out, and they're they're off and running again. And as they're running, they get to a much bigger clearing. And when they get to a bigger clearing, they find that um, there is basically a spaceship <laughs> flying above them. And they see a spaceship off in the distance, and then one comes from behind them overhead. And we see them running, and they're running, and, and they stop, and it, it gets really windy, and, and radio guy grabs, puts his arms around um, phone girl and phone girl's sister, and they're kind of just like closing their eyes and hoping this all goes away. And we cut to, um, they are gone and there's just the tape player sitting in the field and they're not there. Um, and at that point, the basketball game is over. Um, it's implied that these, these visitors come when the town's kind of empty. So the basketball game is over and people are streaming out. Um, I guess to find out that these people are gone and I guess the babysitter's gone too. I don't really know what happened there. Um, or maybe she's just a bad babysitter. Um, and that's, oh, that's the end of the movie. Um, so yeah. So the, 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 and it's weird because like, based on my description, it sounds perfectly normal, but basically like the last 10 minutes have like, 20, 20 or thirty percent of the plot, like packed into it, as yeah. moody as like as moody and slow as the beginning was, the end is like gets incredibly fast paced, and a lot a lot happens. Um, I'm sure I probably even missed some things, but um, that's that's the movie. Um, any overall overall thoughts on what you guys on what we watched? Yeah, uh, I mean, I would say that um, my my. Like one thing about this movie, I would say is that it is um, for most of its running time. I thought it was very unique. I mean, I mean, it, it it looked and sounded like not many other movies I've ever seen. Like it, like it, and it went about like it's a it's a fairly well worn story. Like it's a, you know it's basically you know as you saw as you said it's like aliens visiting us in the 1950s in New Mexico. It's like okay like you know that's we've heard that story a lot um but i think the way it goes about delivering that story uh for most of the running time is is quite um is is quite unique um i don't i liked this movie overall um i'm not getting to like a final judgment or anything yet but like but but one thing i will say and i think you guys felt this even more than i did is that um I did feel like the ending was maybe a little bit of a letdown compared to the rest of the movie. Like it, it felt, um, I don't need a movie like to like, I'm fine that it was somewhat definitive, but I, I do feel like it, it still like the way it did the end was a little bit like, Oh, like, oh, okay. Like, like it, it, it felt like it wrapped everything up a little too neatly in a, in, in a way. And, uh, and it shows like it, it really shows that flying saucer. <laughs> Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's a low budget movie. So the flying saucer, like, it doesn't look bad, but it's, you know, I, I, I don't think they needed to spend so much time showing it. Yeah. I, I think I in particular didn't, didn't like the, the finitiveness of the ending. And I think because most of the movie was not, you know, it was kind of skirting that line of like, well, something weird could be happening or it could be nothing. And these people could have like have their imaginations, uh, running away from them. And I thought throughout the movie that that's 
where were we going to leave it? Like, we're going to leave it kind of unresolved. Did something right. actually happen? Maybe, maybe not. And like, speaking of the Twilight Zone, you know, it's like a lot like the, uh, what is it, the monsters are due on Maple Street, the really famous uh, episode where the lights go off and on and everyone thinks aliens are invading. Right. I thought it was going to be more like that. And it's yeah, totally not. Like, they kind of tell you what happened, um, which was a bit of a letdown. And the other thing that really rubbed me the wrong way is, like, her going to pick up her sister and carrying her sister with her the rest of the time and her sister gets abducted with with the two of them and that to me felt completely pointless like i don't know why that part of the movie is in there i don't know what the reason is like i don't know what we have to gain by it it seems utterly pointless to me i agree i I feel like the, the only reason i can think of why she would be there is like some kind of symbolic reason but like i couldn't figure out what that would be like 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 what are they what is she or like what is like what are they symbolizing like the three of them because like yeah like why why did she why does the little girl need to be there at all i don't, I don't know i i totally agree with you on that i think that there's a um it's an execution thing more than how it ended up for you, Paul, and probably for you as well, Nish, in that um, I don't think it really mattered if they were going to say, there's the alien ship and this is what the fuck happened, or we're not going to tell you what happened. Use your imagination. I think it was an execution thing that's more the problem for you, Paul. I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I, I like the fact that you know, you, you kind of tell a creepy, like, I like a creepy more than a scary story where it's kind of like, oh, did we let our imaginations get away with us or did something weird actually happen? And like, I, I like stories like that that are kind of ambiguous in that way. Um, you would have preferred there to not be a end result then. I would have preferred to, yes, I think I would have preferred to not know were there actually aliens, like was, you know, Billy and this old lady, like, were they talking like, you know, were they talking about something that was actually related or, you know, was this old lady just kind of like dealing with her trauma? Like, you know, it's, it's like the kind of, it felt like it was leading me down the path of like, this is going to be one of those movies where at the end, like depending on which way you look at it, you could see either thing being true. And then I felt right. like the last 45 seconds of the movie took a hard left turn. Like, Nope, here's where we're going this way instead. Right. I guess for me, I always thought that it was leaning more towards like, now nah, this is a real thing that's happening. Um, I think my bigger thing, Willie, like, like what you were saying, I think my issue is definitely the execution in that, like to really dissect the ending. I was fine with the ending. I feel like, what if you'd like, what if you just took the shot of the flying saucer out? Like, what if you just saw the three lights, like kind of like, like saw like the small one in the trees, but you could barely make out what it was. And then you just saw him looking up and looking odd. And then the wind picks up and then you don't see them anymore. It's like, you know what happened? Like, but you wouldn't, but like, I, I feel like I, I would have liked that execution, like without seeing the flying saucer a lot better. I feel like it would have fit the way the rest of the movie had gone a little better, like a little bit of a, more of a, like you, you don't show a whole lot, but you, you know, it's, it's more. And again, it is keeping more in just like their reactions, like a little bit. Right. So, I agree. That would have been better. No question. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and then uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, I don't know if you guys had anything else, was Nishi touched, touched on this earlier, but uh, I do think the two leads, like they do, they do a lot of heavy lifting and they do it really well in this movie. I mean, this really is effectively a two-person movie. Yeah, um, and, they're, else, and, they're, and they're great, I thought. 
I mean, they, they have a lot to do and they're very good. I thought. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I can't recall seeing either one of these two people in anything else, but, um, like they were good enough that I'd be like, no, oh, I checked something out that they were in. Cause you know, they were, they were working really hard and they did a really good job. Yeah. It's, uh, I think what, Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz who I've never heard of either of them. I, I think I looked briefly and Sierra McCormick seems like she's been in a couple things, but I've never heard of her. Um, and Jake Horowitz like really hasn't been in much. He, I thought was very impressive because like, his character is like, a, in my opinion, a little bit of a hard character to pull off because he's kind of like a motor mouth and like he's kind of like cool and not at the same time. Like he's this radio guy, so he's not necessarily cool because it's like, you know, he, he would have been like an AV guy like we are. And it's like, we're not necessarily cool. Um, Speak I guess for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but, you know, but at the same time, like he kind of acts like he's cool and he's got this DJ feel to him. And I don't know. I, I feel like there was a lot going on with that character that he had to kind of convey. Uh, and, and he did it very well. And I didn't think that was easy. So the, the, the other thing I did want to mention really quickly, we touched on it before, at least the, uh, the music being diegetic or not, but I did want to like the overall, the soundtrack of this movie is very interesting. It's a very slow contemplative soundtrack, which you don't hear often, for a sci-fi movie or if you do it's for a very like weird kind of sci-fi movie that's like talking you know like thinking about like existence and like like very like weird things like that and that's not like what this movie is but um but you know it's it's like you know a lot of like quiet piano and like strings and stuff like that um that was that was like wouldn't feel out of place on like a like kind of a quiet indie like folk album or something like that yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that the soundtrack was not very memorable for me. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. When all is said and done, but that's just me. Um, what do you guys say we uh, slap a big bad rating on this? Let's do uh, it. Willie, what do you, what do you, why don't you give us your take? I don't think I talked very much during this review, but um, it's a three out of five for me. Um I was pretty close to three and a half. Honestly, don't remember what I said last week. <laughs> uh, I like this movie a lot, a lot more than I expected to. The first 20 minutes were kind of garbaggio. And then for me, there was three five to 10 minute monologues and that ate up a lot of the movie. But even though I had to watch it multiple platforms and multiple sittings, I was pretty engaged every time I watched this. I thought the acting was excellent. I thought the um, the script was really good, and I also thought the cinematography was off the charts good. So we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it. We don't need to dive into it too much more now, but um, the um, the cinematography between scenes as we were going from one to the next, I thought was really interesting and really unique, especially for a first or second time filmmaker. I enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah, three, bordering on three and a half. All right. What about you, Nish? Um, I'll, I'll go with the three and a half. Um, it's an interesting three and a half because I feel like I acknowledge that this movie definitely has problems and some of which you guys have pointed out, especially you, Paul. Um, and I have as, as we've gone through it, but, uh, but nonetheless, I feel like this movie kind of charmed me most of the way through. Um, and I didn't have the, I, I had a little bit of a problem with the ending, but not the big problem with the ending that I think, um, you know, other people might have. 
Um, I, I just thought it was, you know, it, it, it was very inventive. I thought at, at times and, um, and different. And I really like the leads as we've already talked about. Um, and I like the mood that it was trying to set. I feel like it got me. Um, but I will say like, even while I was watching it, there was a part of me that was like, I could see people hating this. I mean, you could say it with any movie, but I feel like this movie especially like feels like a movie where it's like, Hey, you you'll either like it a fair amount or you really won't you, you'll just be like yeah and it doesn't mean you didn't get it it's just that kind of movie where it's like you just might be like oh no like all the things that are flaws like i really see and really don't like so i i will acknowledge that all right on to you paul yeah i think um for me this movie's a two um i kind of swing the other way like I, the last 20 or so minutes like like I said before, like it felt like the last 20 minutes undercut the first, you know, two thirds of the movie. Um, they like, like you said, Nish, like they established the mood and it did grab me, which like made me all the more bitter when they, they, I felt like they abandoned that mood and like undercut it completely um, as we got towards the end. And, um, you know, that, that, that hard turn, you know, that, starting with the, the scene of them with the old lady talking kind of from that point forward, like the movie lost me and never got me back again after that point, uh, which, which is disappointing. Like, I feel like if it had stayed moody and, and slow and ambiguous and all these other things, like throughout the ending, I think I would have, I think I would have liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, it just, it just, I don't know. It, it's hard to end a movie. Like it, it, like it just is, um, um so you know but for me it, it it just didn't land at the end so yeah it's a two yeah i feel, I feel like that's fair quick quick kind of two-part question for you guys and, and and then i think we can really close this out um does this uh movie make you interested at all to see like the next movie that this uh first time director andrew patterson um does because i'm sure he'll get totally something out of this me. Yeah, yeah, totally. This wasn't a dud for me. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I figured that would be your answer. And I, by the way... Oh, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> we all reviewed way back in the day. The fuck is the name of that movie? The Puffy Chair? Yeah, did we all review that, or was that just you? It was It was, It was. was way back when we did the... Uh, when, like, Netflix was first doing its, like, original content, right? And that was one of the movies, I think. It was that, a that... fucking Duplass Brothers movie. And it was kind of a Garbaggio movie. I really like the Duplass brothers now. Um, I'll watch pretty much anything with Mark Duplass in it, first and foremost. And I love the league. And you have to hope. I root for these folks that, like, if this was, if this was like, the entry-level job, that they will attain, like, greatness in the future. So, totally. I'll give them another shot. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what happens. I, I kind of think uh, my my fear is this is like going into like a Shane Carruth like primer territory where like this guy's going to have some, shot his load. He's going to yeah he's going to like he'll get a bigger budget movie and kind of won't know what to do with it. Like I I, I feel like and, and the reason that I say that is I already kind of feel like this movie was trying to be too clever um, in, in a couple different ways. And I feel like um, that's an impulse that's going to have to be tamped down or it could get really aggravating 
um, if this guy gets some money behind him. That being said, like, you know, um, um, I'm not going to be, able to, you know, beating down the door of a movie theater waiting to see his next movie, but, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see what he does for sure. So, so my second, the second part to my question is, would you be more or less likely to want to see that movie if you heard that it was another sci-fi movie? Like, would you rather that he went into some other genre or would it be like, well, he did some really good things with sci-fi here in some ways, so. Good question, man. It's a really good question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Um, I think that I would probably be I would be, I mean, if you make any movie a sci-fi movie, I'm more interested in watching oh, well, it. Fair enough. <laughs> Straight and, up. And, but... and, and you could always have, like, the idea. It's like, well, maybe he fixed some of the stuff. You know, I mean, not that it's going to be a remake of this, but you, you know what I mean. Like, maybe the pacing will be better if you feel like the pacing is, you know, uneven in, in, in this movie, or maybe not. Uh, or maybe, you know, like you said, it's always hard to end a movie, but maybe the ending will be better or something like that. Yeah, I, I think I would like to say him. I think I would like to see him nail the genre before moving on. Like the, sure. other, the other thing, cause the other thing I think about in this is kind of like the Danny Boyle, like sunshine effect where, um, <laughs> thinking of another like sci-fi movie with a bad ending. Um, yeah. Where he kind of, you know, in, in some respects has kind of done the like Kubrick thing where it was like, I'm going to make a movie in this genre and then I'm going to make a movie in a totally different genre. And then I'm going to make a movie. And it's like, all right, dude, you're not really nailing these before you're moving on. Like, I get that you want to try different things, but um, you know you're 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 not Stanley Kubrick, and you're not kind of kind of <laughs> nailing this. Um, so you know, if he wants to bounce around and like make you know uh, you know a bunch of mediocre movies and a bunch of different genres, like that's his prerogative. But like, yeah, I think I think the answer is I would be more interested to see it if it was more sci-fi. Andrew Patterson is Kubrick. no Stanley Kubrick. Howls Paul. <laughs> Put it on. Do you know my favorite Kubrick box. movie? Your favorite what? Kubrick movie. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna say Barry Lyndon. No, I'm not really gonna say that. Um, the moon that landing, for the guys. Duh. <laughs> What's that? The moon landing. Oh, the moon duh. landing. <laughs> waka waka waka. This podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously. Do we tie a bow in that movie? Do we do we tie a bow in that movie? Yeah, we did. I think we did. We, right. we, we yeah, we gave all our uh, yeah all our stuff. That is actually. Did pretty you good. did did you want uh, to talk about anything else? Well, we do. Uh, not. We do. We we do need to say uh, what we're going to watch. Yeah. Week. So next next uh, next week we're going to be watching um, the the first season of the HBO. Uh, series the watchman uh not the movie um from a few years ago but the the hbo series um which is i believe only nine or ten episodes so we can probably uh make our way only that's like 10 hours dude yeah have we all uh i I mean we'll talk about this next week to some degree but like have we all seen the zach zach snyder watchman or read the graphic novel Uh, wait, is the Zack Snyder run with the with the with yes, the big blue one. dick? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. Okay. Uh, how how could I forget? 
Yes, yeah. I, I, I saw the Zack Snyder movie. I tried to read the graphic novel, and I couldn't get through it, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've, I've done both. I, I love the graphic novel. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, I was just wondering, because my, my understanding of the, uh, of the um, show is that you know, it, it doesn't really like it's its own story, but it helps a little bit to have some familiarity with the uh, with the story of Watchmen of the original Watchmen. We'll find so, out, I guess. I, yes, we will. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Ten hours of TV for you guys. I know. I don't. I don't know how I'm gonna make it, but I mean, have how you I'm started gonna it find yet? Have either of you started it yet? Nope. <laughs> Let me go put it on right now. That's right. Yeah, I was aiming to start it this past weekend, but uh, I went to my parents' place instead. They do not have HBO. No yeah, I was gonna I was gonna watch it, and um, I was looking for something to watch, and I wasn't in the mood to start something that heavy. And um, I kept hearing like chatter on Twitter that apparently this is gonna sound crazy, but they're doing the final season of Agents of Shield now, and apparently it's really really good. Um, and I was like, hmm, I gave up on that show a long time ago. I was like, ah, let me let me go back and check it out. Um, let me go find this... where I stopped. And I was thinking like, oh, I probably watched like three, maybe four seasons of this show. And I went back and um, picked up a couple places. Like, no, nah, I've never seen this. And I and I kind of yeah. worked my way backwards. And I realized I made it one season and nine episodes into the second season. Yeah. And gave up. <laughs> When when was the last season of the show? Was it just like a year ago, or like like was it more than that at this point? Like I, um, I don't know. I, I guess my real question is: is like has has the show gotten to like the snap yet, or no? Oh God, I have no idea. Yeah, because if not, I would imagine. I mean, they they have to cover that. Like I, I you know I know they like to kind of be sort of Marvel like MCU adjacent. In terms of stuff that's going so, on, so I mean, the last season is airing right now. Got um, it. So I, I have no idea what they do about the snap. But anyway, what you started watching? So, so, so you've been watching that instead of uh, starting Watchmen. That was that, that, yeah. that, that was the upshot. Well, I've kind of been watching, yeah, because it's like the show I've been watching is like as I fall asleep at night before yeah, the iPad yeah, sure. smacks me in the nose when I fall yeah. asleep. <laughs> um. Hey, uh, some some Podflix um, uh, housekeeping here. Something we haven't done in a moment. How do you get a hold of us? Oh yeah. Well, Nish's phone number is no. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, Podflix at gmail dot com, or you can at us on Twitter at Podflix, and we'll probably we're see. Quick, it. We're quick to respond to both of those. Yeah. No. Relatively quick. No, no. very <laughs> not quick at all. You can, you can't comment on our website, right? God, no, no. So just send us an email, and maybe tweet us, but we probably won't respond to that. <laughs> probably I mean, not. Probably not. Yeah, but the emails we might. <sighs> probably not. Yeah, <laughs> Are you really you're really selling the idea of contacting us here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll we'll read it. And we love feedback. Yes, we do. 